Welcome to Realty Talk, the show that brings together the country's most authoritative and respected property experts. Follow us on all the socials and subscribe for updates and exclusive offers. Realty Talk is powered by realty.com.au, connecting buyers, sellers and agents differently. Hello once again and welcome to another week of Realty Talk where we bring you informed and unbiased property investment advice with the show's host, Bushy Martin from Know How Property Finance. You know, according to recent research, over 400,000 women over the age of 45 are at risk of homelessness right here in Australia, and that number is growing. Why? Well, many are discovering that a man is not a plan. Money Magazine editor Julia Newbold says that you need to get sassy with your money. And today with Bushy, Julia is going to set out a great structured framework to become more money smart. You'd have to agree, wouldn't you, that we are currently in a seller's property market. We're getting reports every single day of buyers who are struggling to find a property because of the level of competition. That's a seller's market. Pete Wardgen from Buyers Buyers, who is a buyer's agent, he has some really great advice for you if you find that you're in that category. So given that he does it for a living, as I said, he is a buyer's agent, the three key ingredients that he shares with us in the show might just help. And while we're talking about that and staying on the same theme, that is operating, buying and selling in a seller's market, Bushy has a look at it from the other side, selling in a boom market. So he's joined by South Australian agent Todd Sloan, and Todd understands the seller's anxiety about underselling. It's real. And we tackle that today in the show and lots more too. Let's get underway. Welcome. Now, according to recent research, there's over 500,000 women over the age of 45 that are at risk of being homeless here in Australia as we speak. And a lot of this revolves around a lack of general financial literacy right across the community. But where do you start to manage your money better? Well, to give you a great money management framework, we're joined by Julie Newbold, the managing editor of Money Magazine and the co-author of a, the award-winning book, The Joy of Money. Welcome back to the show, Julia. Thanks very much, Bushy. Now, Julia, uh, to become money smart, you develop this great sassy system that you talk about in the book. What does it mean to be sassy and what does sassy with your money actually mean? So a couple of things, I guess, in the first place, we call the book The Joy of Money because we want to bring the idea of joy into people's lives and especially women who often, when you talk about money, just think of the uh, factor, you know, it's not all in control. So we want to make people feel sassy, you know, bold, daring, and just a little bit fun and cheeky. So it's to engage people with their money a little bit more and creating a bit of a structure so that you can follow it and get the confidence to actually make money a little bit more joyful. Yeah, I love it. I, uh, and, and it is, it, it's, 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 it's get, putting a fun on what can otherwise be a very daunting and sometimes boring subject as well, actually. So uh, now uh, I'd love you to sort of break down the acronym 
SASE for us so that we understand what it means to our money management moving forward? Yep. So the first S is for spending. So assess your current spending and your cash flow because that's really important. You've got to know what your outgoings are and what your income is. And a lot of people don't actually. You know, you don't actually know necessarily what you're earning per week and what you've got to spend. And then, you know, the, the outgoings is really difficult. Whenever I'm asked to do a budget, I've really got to think about, okay, you know, what am I spending and be careful about it. Then the A is for the assets and liabilities. So you've got to know your position. You've got to know what you have and also what you owe. And also that allows you to understand what you need to get to. So it gives you a bit of a goal set. Then to do, to do those things and to get to the goals, you've got to have the structure. So that's the second S. So, you know, for me, it's having multiple bank accounts where I can put, you know, investing money or savings money, money that I need to pay tax or, you know, money for a holiday. And I think for a lot of people, you know, if you can have multiple offset accounts, that's ideal to sort of keep it in, you know, the bucket system, you have your long term, short term, etc. goals. So that's just an easy way to do it. And then you set rules and define triggers. So you know, for me, I'm a bit of a spender. So I like to take away the money first and put it in the buckets and into the accounts so that, you know, I'm topping up my super with one account. I've got investment money in another account, which I sort of build up to a certain amount before I invest in shares or ETFs or whatever it is I want to invest in. And then I have a bit of, you know, short, medium term fun, which might be a holiday or a weekend away or something like that. So you've got to set the rules and say when it gets to this amount or that I'm going to take it out of my pay first. So that's the second S. And then at the end of each year, whether you make it the end of your financial year or calendar year, you have a review, see if it's all going well and start, you know, to set the system again. Yeah, Brian, it's a it's a great way to encapsulate all the key aspects that are required to really start managing money. And let's face it, uh, it starts with the big things start with what we do today. So uh, tell me, how can being sassy start to reduce the risk of homelessness for women in the middle age years that we're, we're seeing this big risk moving forward about? It's a terrifying statistic at the moment that we are having that growing um, cohort of homelessness of middle-aged women and I think unfortunately when you get to maybe 50 or 55 there's not a lot you can suddenly do that makes it's a bit of a government intervention type thing then but we want to get women engaged earlier and just being conscious of what you're doing because if you know you know what your goals are and what you need to get to and you've got that bit of independence that's going to set you up better and set help you set up your daughters even or your granddaughters and whatever to to be financially independent it's just so important and you know, in the, in the SASE framework, the importance of the yearly review to see how you're tracking can really give you a boost to either sort of, you know, step on the accelerator and do things a bit faster and a bit harder, or to just have the comfort that you are in a secure position. Yeah, and no, I brilliantly said some uh, very sobering but quite inspiring thoughts there on, on some simple things that we can be doing that's all wrapped up and encapsulated with SASE. So I, I thank, thank you for coming on and sharing that with us today, Julia. My pleasure, Bushy. Thank you. Thanks, Julian. Now, if uh, you want to get sassy, uh, I really do recommend that you get out there and grab yourself a copy of Julia's book, The Joy of Money. It's available at all good bookstores and online. Uh, it's a great read. It's a very enjoyable read and an entertaining read with your uh, your big focus around the, the music 
references, Julia, uh, which tapped right into my uh, my era and my my interest. So uh, I love the read. So make sure you get out there and do that. And in the meantime, stay with us and watch more here on Realty Talk. Property deductions can save you thousands of dollars each year. To make sure you maximise deductions, you need to work with the most experienced quantity surveyor in the country. BMT Tax Depreciation is the leading specialist in the industry. They've completed over 700,000 tax deduction schedules for residential investment and commercial properties Australia-wide. BMT guarantee to find double your fee in the first full financial year deductions. Call BMT on 1300 728 726 today for an obligation-free quote. Welcome. Now, it's fair to say that uh, we're currently in a seller's market right across Australia, with many buyers really struggling to find, yet alone secure, good properties. But successful property investors employ three key ingredients to outwit and outlast the rest. And we refer to them as the three R's. It's research, it's reasons, and it's risk. So to discuss the details on this, we're joined again by Pete Wargent, the co-founder of buyersbuyers.com.au, which is a, a, a new and expanding IT platform and a marketplace that connects home buyers with buyers agents right across the country. So uh, thanks for spending the time and welcome back to the show, Pete. Pleasure. Thanks, Pushy. Pete, uh, let's start on the research element. Uh, how do I find the best places to buy the right property for my budget? Yeah, so I think as we've talked about uh, previously, um, you need to begin with the end in mind and factor in your own goals. So are you buying a property so that potentially you can trade up later on? Or are you actually looking at building a property investment portfolio? Uh, so firstly, you've got to factor in what you're, act what you're actually trying to achieve. But in terms of... Um, researching the best places to find most often the best way to go is kind of a top-down approach so you start with the budget that you have um, you look potentially at the state or the city that's got the, the potential for a, a, a price growth cycle because that's obviously important in terms of fueling your equity growth and then you bring it down from the city level to the suburb level and then ultimately to the location within the suburb and the property type um, so there's more than 10 million dwellings in Australia now, so it can be quite overwhelming. But you'll find if you bring it down from that top-down approach with your budget in mind, then you can begin to start narrowing down the short list of areas and property types for, for your budget. Yeah, really well said. And I think the, the key take-home there for me is at your budget, because if you start with your budget and you're really clear on what your property purchase price affordability is, and then you take a top-down macro to micro approach that's finding the highest growth location at that price point, uh, then you're off to the, the right start versus what I see a lot of people do is they, they chase the hotspots and they just try and grab any property in that particular location and then wonder why it doesn't perform well long-term. So yeah, great thoughts there, mate. Uh, switching to the, the next area, what factors do you believe make for a successful investment property purchase? Yeah, so you, you already touched on one of the important things there, and that's this concept of timing the market versus time in the market. And you often hear in real estate, well, it doesn't really matter too much because over the long run, you'll do just fine. And look, in some sort of areas, proven areas with a good track record and landlocked suburbs, that may be true to a certain degree, uh, but timing the market can be important too because uh, that can really 
help to get you off to a, a strong start. You're more likely to stick with the strategy if you get good results early on. And it can also help to uh, fund your next property purchase. So I think timing is important. Um, I think also uh, the time horizon is important because generally speaking, residential property tends to work better if, you, if you're holding for a long time. Uh, the transaction costs don't make it particularly attractive for people looking to buy and sell too often. Uh, some people do make that strategy work if they're flipping or renovating property, but for most investors, the time horizon is also important alongside the timing. And then the fundamentals, well, yes, it comes down to the location and the drivers of property price growth. So we mentioned looking for areas with a proven track record, potentially landlocked suburbs where the supply is somewhat limited and getting the right property type for that location as well. So there's quite a few different factors that make for a successful purchase. But I think those are some of the main ones. Yeah, some some really good ones there, Pete. And I've often said that, you know, property is a long game. Uh, if you're holding a property for at least 15 years, then the chances are you are going to go through a full cycle. And then to some degree, if you're holding for that sort of horizon, it takes a little bit of the pressure off the timing side of the equation because you'll go through a full cycle over that sort of duration. But, but as you well say, uh, as, a, as a bit of a heroin hit, uh, particularly in the early stages, if you can time it in such a way that you're getting some early growth and that gives you the confidence to then go the distance, then you're much more likely to sustain it uh, over the duration. So no, uh, great thoughts there, mate. Um, let's turn to risk then, the, the final of the three R's. Uh, how do I best de-risk a property purchase as an investor? Yeah, so the market research is an important uh, part of that function, uh, Getting, making sure you're buying the right property at the right price and in the right location. In terms of the acquisition itself, it's really a due diligence exercise to make sure you're not picking up uh, problems that you don't need to, particularly as an investor. You know, as a home buyer, sometimes people have uh, particular reasons for wanting to be in a certain location or buy a certain property. But as an investor, you really don't need to be taking on headaches like uh, busy roads or uh, major issues in terms of repairs and so on, because you're not compelled to buy any specific property. In terms of um, due diligence, it, uh, it's largely about getting a professional team around you. So we've mentioned before, you, know, you might need to have a specialist mortgage broker. Um, you may look to use a buyer's agent, of course, which is what we specialize in, finding buyer's agents across the country. And there's lots of things um, that just need a professional eye. So you might want a solicitor or conveyancer to read the contract, for example, uh, a building inspector or pest inspector before you buy a property. And if you're buying a, a unit or a townhouse that's on a on a strata scheme, a strata report is money well spent just to make sure you're not picking up undue problems. So there's basically a list of things that you need to tick off in terms of the due diligence. And if you're not somebody who's buying property every day, it probably makes sense to, to get the right professional team around you because you know, we can't all be legal experts or building experts and <laughs> all of those kind of things. So make sure you've got a team that can cover off each aspect of the due diligence and you won't go too far wrong. Yeah, no, some uh, great thoughts there, mate. I, again, really appreciate you coming on to share those insights and uh, appreciate you uh, spending some time today, Pete. Always a pleasure. Cheers, Bushy. Well, there you have it. Uh, if you uh, really want to join the ranks of successful property investors, focus on research, on reasons and on risk. And the best way to do that is via the team at buyersbuyers.com. 
www.pete.com.au. So have a look at them. Pete and the team will definitely look after you in that regard. Stay with us. You're watching Realty Talk. Property depreciation is the natural wear and tear of a building and its assets. Property investors can claim depreciation as a tax deduction each financial year. Depreciation is a non-cash deduction. This means you don't need to spend any money in order to claim it. On average, BMT tax depreciation find residential investors almost $9,000 in first full financial year deductions. Call BMT on 1300 728 726 today for an obligation free quote. Welcome. Now, with over 97% of regions around Australia experiencing very strong property price growth over the last six months, according to the most recent CoreLogic figures, it's clear that we appear to be in a strong seller's market. So it's important to understand what's the best way to sell a property in boomtime conditions. So to discuss this, we're joined by Todd Sloan, who's host of the popular Pizza and Property podcast, and a leading agent with Tim's Real Estate in South Australia. Welcome to Realty Talk, Todd. Thanks for having me, Bushy. Uh, really looking forward to your insights today, Todd, uh, given the, the market that we're currently experiencing. Uh, to kick it off, uh, what are the options available to sell a property? So if you're talking about like um, pricing strategy, things like that, like auction, best offer buy, that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, so I mean, there's oh, exactly those. There's auctions, there's best offer buyers, and and you can also just have what's called private treaty, which is generally a range. And and we're finding at the moment, best ways to to really do it. It depends on the property. I'm finding we're getting some smashing results, more so at the the sort of middle to top end of Adelaide's market, which is more around that sort of seven to million mark. When it's a, more of an auction or best offer buy, but when you try and implement the, that strategy to the, the more entry levels, it's not really working as well. We find that a stronger strategy is usually a good, strong pricing strategy. I'm saying strong a lot, but it's, it's a good pricing strategy because those, those buyers are typically first home buyers and they want, to, they want a little bit more certainty where people that have been through it a few times before, they're, they're happier with, without the pricing the same way. Yeah, well said. So the approach that you adopt needs to be driven to a certain degree by the price point that you're looking to offer the property. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, okay. So uh, given that we are experiencing boom times across most parts of the country at the moment, what's what would you be suggesting is the best way to sell? Well, probably around that, that best offer buyer for the top of the market, I'm finding that we're getting some good results with auctions. But it's because there's so much uncertainty around what's happening with prices. And I'm saying to a lot of my vendors at the moment, it's like, here's the logical price. Here's everything that we need to, to look at as far as the data of what's happened. But here's what's happening. And a lot of the time, it's a big question mark. It's usually a positive, happy question mark. Well, not for the buyer so much, but for the seller, it's a positive one. But nonetheless, it's still a big question mark. So we need to make sure we're not leaving any money on the table. And, and by taking the price off sometimes, sometimes we're, we're getting offers between offer A and offer B that, that might be 50 or 100 grand difference. So if you're at an auction, well, again, some auctions are fantastic and we have some amazing results with it, but it's, it, it can work really well in your favor with the best offer buy in, in that sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. And I think just to break it down so that uh, everyone's clear on best offer buy, can you just, just expand on that a little bit? Because... Uh, uh, there may be some that's a bit confused by that. 
Yeah, easy. Um, so a best offer buy campaign kind of works like a bit of an expressions of interest where you've got a usually a two or three week time frame, and there's no official price that's quoted. Well, most of the time there's no official price quoted and people put in offers based on where they see value. And because we've got such a, a, a wider spectrum right now of that, that sort of value perception, that's why it can be really important for, for a vendor. So if someone puts in an offer and yeah, 500,000 and someone else puts in an offer of 560, Again, there's that huge gap that we're talking about. Yeah, and you're really flushing out what the market's prepared to pay rather than restricting it to a to some somewhat artificial price range in a, in a time in the market where people and buyers in particular uh, seem to be paying whatever they can to get their hands on good quality property. Welcome. There's been a lot of talk in the media of recent times about concerns that loosening lending standards by the banks will increase the risks for you as a borrower. But you may not be aware that since the 1st of January this year, protections for borrowers using brokers have actually substantially increased with the introduction of the new best interest duty or bid legislation. Now under this bid legislation, brokers now have a legal duty of care to ensure that they must put your interests above everything else. And significant fines and penalties apply for those that don't do the right thing. Now, this new legal duty offers you the peace of mind of knowing that a broker must act in your best interests. But what does bid really mean to you as a borrower? Well, brokers must assess both the cost and non-cost features of a loan that they are suggesting. Now, cost factors relate to things like the interest rate, the ingoing fees, the ongoing fees, the outgoing fees, and the annual fees are associated with the loan. And non-cost factors include features like offset accounts and the need for flexibility. For example, the last fixed rate loan without the ability to make exterior payments may not be in your best interests. But it's important to stress that the bid legislation only applies to brokers, not to the banks. So that means that if you go directly to a bank, a bank can still sell you loans that are in their best interests, not in your own. It's why over 60% of home loans and investment loans around the country are now facilitated by brokers. So if you really want to protect your best interests and get the loan that's going to satisfy your needs in the best possible way, do yourself a favor and engage a savvy mortgage broker. They'll give you access to up to 40 different lenders and over 2000 different loan solutions. That's Food for Thought. This is Bushy Martin. Stay tuned for more. Well, that's it. Really good advice once again. Thanks, Bushy. Always enjoy your grabs at the end of each show. Catch more of Bushy at his Get Invested podcast. Well, that's it for another show. A very special thanks to Bushy's guests, Julia Newbold, Pete Wargent and Todd Sloan. A reminder, too, that you can see all of our shows at realty.com.au, along with one of Australia's most extensive range of properties for sale from over 7,000 agencies nationally. Thanks to realty.com.au and BMT Tax Depreciation for their ongoing support. I'm Kevin Turner. 
I'll see you next time. Miss something in this week's show or want to catch up on past shows? Do it anytime at realty.com.au where we connect buyers, sellers and agents differently. 